This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. women still hold a shockingly low 14% of top executive positions in the Fortune 500. Trying to get ahead while operating in a man's world, women continue to face immense challenges, constantly being told how to navigate these treacherous waters in a myriad of ways. Yet the gender gap persists. While working for a tech giant in Silicon Valley, Monique Svazlian Talon was faced with a tough decision. Should she lead like her male counterparts or try a different approach? This choice gained her unique insights into how women can break through gender bias and become far more effective as leaders while helping close the gender gap. In Leading Gracefully, feminine leadership expert and executive coach Monique Talon presents neuroscience research that tells us that women's brains are wired for empathy, intuition, and collaboration. The same qualities people are looking for in their leaders today. Through her extensive research, she has developed a visionary roadmap for women, the feminine leadership model that plays squarely to women's strengths. Whether you are a senior-level executive, a mid-career manager, or just starting out, Leading Gracefully is a must-read for women who want to get to the next level in their career and life. Through personal stories and those of female executives and entrepreneurs from the world of technology, science, retail, and nonprofits, you will learn how to successfully use feminine strengths combined with traditional traits to break through gender bias. Use it as a self-coaching how-to guide with 15 powerful exercises, tips, and resources you can apply right away to gain more confidence, authenticity, and effectiveness. Are you ready to be an inclusive leader, fostering innovation and collaboration on the teams and businesses you manage? Are you ready to be a game-changer? In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Monique Svazlian-Talon, the author of Leading Gracefully, a woman's guide to confident, authentic, and effective leadership. Monique Talon is a woman's leadership and inclusion expert, executive coach, and the CEO of Highest Path, a boutique diversity and inclusion firm specializing in developing inclusive leaders and workplace cultures, as well as advancing female leaders and gender balance within organizations. Their clients include Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, Siemens, Deloitte, and Samsung, among others. She is also the author of Leading Gracefully, 
A Woman's Guide to Confident, Authentic, and Effective Leadership, which features a new model of leadership called the Feminine Leadership Model that plays to women's strengths and drives high-performance teams, innovation, and bottom-line business results. Before launching Highest Path, Monique worked in Silicon Valley as a marketing executive at eBay Inc., where she led large-scale trade shows and conferences. She has worked with organizations throughout the U.S. and Europe and has lived and worked internationally. Here is the interview with Monique Svazlian-Talon. In your own words, who is Monique Talon? So first and foremost, I'm a divine, infinite being of light. Uh, and then I am this physical body. And in this physical manifestation in this lifetime, I've chosen to be, I guess you could call a teacher. Uh, but I do all sorts of different things within that realm. I coach, I lead workshops, I do retreats, I write, um, and all around the topics of feminine leadership and uh, feminine empowerment. That sounds great. Thank you. I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your book, Leading Gracefully. A Woman's Guide to Confident, Authentic, and Effective Leadership. My first warm-up question is, what is life to you? Life to me is uh, an opportunity to learn and to evolve ourselves. Uh, I see life as a, as, a, as, a, as a school, if you will, as a place to learn and grow and really learn from our experiences, actually. Uh, our relationships uh, really are teachers for us. So as we move through life, as we move through life's challenges, uh, at least for me in this lifetime, my experience has really been one of, of growth, of constant inquiry, looking inwards, and really trying to do my best to improve myself, uh, but not in like that sort of ambitious sort of way, although I have that side as well, but more, more on, a, on a soul level, you know, how can I constantly look to grow myself on a soul level? And so I, I really see life as that opportunity to, to do that for ourselves. Yeah, yes. What do you think is the opposite of life? Wow, the opposite of life. Well, uh, we live in a in a sort of a world of duality and polarities, and so uh, you know, obviously, the the opposite of life is death. Um, but you know, I look at death uh, from an eternal standpoint, and so I, I don't tend to think that when we die, we die. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do believe in in you know the eternal cycle of life. Uh, I, I look at it very circular. Um, so, but I do feel that a lot of times when we go asleep, uh, especially while we're living, uh, that is a form of death. Uh, when we're not aware of our actions, when we're not aware of how our actions impact others or 
the world around us, uh, when we're not aware of our own infinite potential, uh, that's also a form of, of going asleep. And so, uh, you know, I think it's really important to challenge ourselves and really look at, you know, how we can wake up <laughs> and really live life. I love that. Yeah, not being aware of the infinite possibilities, right? So true. What do you think is the meaning or what is the meaning of freedom to you? Mm. So freedom is a really big value of mine, actually. <laughs> I think uh, I've, I have fought for, for my own individual freedom in many different ways throughout my journey. Um, but at this point, I would say for me, freedom is really about full expression giving myself the permission to be who I am at my core. And, and that really requires, uh, for me, an excavation of, of really kind of digging underneath all the layers, you know, who I think I should be or who people want me to be or who I thought I should, you know, emulate or be like and, and really be okay with whatever I find underneath. Um, and then, and then, and then, give myself the permission to to be that person, uh, which requires a lot of vulnerability, actually. So, um, so yeah, freedom. You know, freedom is an interesting one, but but it's, it's so important. <laughs> it is. Yeah. What a wonderful answer. Yeah. Uh, the freedom to be ourselves. Right. Right. How do you define success? What is success to you? For me, success is about um, making a difference in the world, you know, in any way that I can. Um, and for for my work, it's really been about speaking my truth and not being afraid of that, uh, you know. And so that's that's really you know what I have to say about that. <laughs> How do you define true strength? What is to be strong? So I've, you know, <laughs> that's been kind of the question that I've, I've, I've inquired about within myself uh, and written about actually in my book. Um, and I think, you know, strength, there's a lot of strength and softness in, in what I call the more feminine side uh, of ourselves. And, you know, those Words feminine and masculine have a lot of uh, energy behind them, but we are all made up of feminine and, and masculine qualities. A woman can have masculine qualities, a man can have feminine qualities, and, and equally uh, as important. Um, but um, learning, for me, it's been about learning how to step into my feminine side more uh, and find strength there. Right, so finding strength in being vulnerable and and being okay with who I am and the messiness and the you know all the like you know stuff that comes from that and and really being okay with with what shows up and um, and that that hasn't been easy, especially when we live in a very like success oriented world where things we value our success based on what we achieve. Right, so we live in achievement-oriented society that tells us that we're good enough only when we attain certain societal markers, 
And those societal markers, you know, kind of end up driving us. Um, And as women, especially, I feel like we're so, so conditioned now to be successful moms and successful businesswomen and successful, you know, everything else, (laughs) Um, that, that it can be really difficult to tap into the softness um, or the, or the vulnerability or the, you know, the softer side of our feminine, feminine side of ourselves. Um, but I, but I have found a lot of strength in, in that, um, in my life. I like the way you said that about the balance, balancing those energies because they exist in all of us. And, um, my next question is about love. Do you believe in in unconditional self-love? I believe in unconditional love. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. It should should start from self and then go to others. (laughs) But yes, I I believe that that's uh, why we are here is is to actually experience that. Um, And back to your initial question about life, I think life, you know, gives us those opportunities to practice unconditional love. And so whether we take those opportunities or not is, is another story, but, but it has to start from self, I think, in order to really, for that to really work. Yeah. Um, what is love to you? Love is the most powerful energetic frequency and vibration that basically creates the world, creates the universe. Um, it is the creator uh, energy that we all actually have an ability to, to tap into. And so for those of us who know how to tap into that, you know, it's the energy of creative creativity, the energy of create connection, the energy of um, even vulnerability, right? So, you know, the opposite of, of love sometimes feels like it's sadness and grief, but it's really just the other side of the, the coin. You know, grief and sadness is the absence of love, the feeling of the absence of love. Um, and so I think, you know, it is the, the most powerful energy that we all have the potential to tap into whenever we choose, whenever we're ready to open our hearts. Yeah. And speaking of love, at this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new world? I've been spending a lot of time thinking about that, actually, during the time um, of, of pause. And, you know, I think the world right now is going through a time of, a reflection and it's I see it as a gift actually for all of us um, to really reassess what's important you know what what do we value what do we hold to be true and sacred and and what's really just an illusion right I mean what do we really need to survive you know, do we need that big house and a beautiful car and, you know, uh, all of our toys and gadgets and clothes and things? Or is it, do we need each other? 
you know, and, and I think we're all coming to that realization that we need each other in this time of, of distancing and, you know, being forced to be away from one another. Uh, we're all looking at ways of how to connect, you know, even virtually and, 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 and just really missing that connection. Um, so I think reprioritizing those things and really um, going back to what's, what's, what our soul really wants, which is connection <laughs> the day. And, um, and also connection to the, the, the planet, right? To the nature, you know, our, the realization that we are dependent on, on mother earth for our basic survival. And I think we take a lot of those things for granted. You know, we just expect the air to, to give us oxygen and we just expect the water to be there for us to drink. And we just expect the food to be ready for us to, to purchase and eat, right? Without really working for it, without really doing anything for it. Um, but it turns out that it's, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, respect uh that which sustains us and gives us life and i think that's that that's a really important lesson for us to learn right now and i, I hope more people are thinking about that because without that our species won't survive yeah realizing that connectivity right that everything is connected two more questions what where and who is god to you mm. god is everywhere God is in all of us, and God is uh, a creative energy, a creative intelligence. Um, and so I don't believe in one God, a God, you are God, I am God, this table is God, <laughs> everything we see around us is God, uh, and we are just God experiencing itself in, in many different ways, in many different forms. Um, so that's my definition. It you know, doesn't have to be everybody's, but that's, that's how I, I tend to look at God um, and how I choose to experience God. And when I remind myself of that, then life just becomes much simpler. <laughs> and things become much more simple. Uh, and then it's easy to feel connection and it, it's easy to uh, tap into our innate intelligence and our innate wisdom and, and all those things. It's when we lose our connection to that knowledge where we kind of go astray <laughs> and sort of get confused and, and then start looking for other things to fill in the gaps. But, but I think once we remember that we're all connected to this larger intelligence, this larger field of, of uh, creative energy, um, then it's just much easier to tap into that. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful and so true. And I love what you said at the end about remembering, because, yeah, we just forget about it. But we're always connected no matter what. That's reality. But we just yeah, forget about it sometimes. My last warm-up question. Do you think that life itself has a purpose? And what do you think is the purpose of your life? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, I really feel that we're 
we all come in with some sort of mission. I think of it more as like a mission, <laughs> um, which I guess is the same thing as a purpose. But, um, and I think we're all trying to figure out what that mission is uh, for each of us. And it's different for everyone, in my opinion. For me personally, um, my mission is to wake people up to their infinite potential. Um, it's to help women particularly tap into their feminine energy and learn how to balance that with the masculine. Um, it's to remind ourselves that when we are more open and receptive and, and soft and vulnerable, that we, it's much easier to receive all the abundance that life has to offer us. Mm, um, so so that, that, that seems to be the recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> that I want. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So let's talk about your work. Um, what was the inspiration and the intention of writing your book, Leading Gracefully? And another question I have here is, um, what is the main message that you wish to deliver with this work? So, um, I had the inspiration of writing this book uh, when I was a sort of young 20-something uh, manager working in Silicon Valley at a company called eBay, where, you know, I definitely was sort of, you know, I was pushed into the water <laughs> and had to learn how to swim very quickly. Um, and nobody gave me a guidebook. You know, there was no sort of like preparation for how to behave as a woman in a male-dominated field, such as tech. And um, and it was really it was really challenging for me. Uh, I had to quickly figure out how to navigate office politics and how to you know, be professional and, and prove my value, but also then learn how to play within the boys club and all of these different challenges that, that, that there didn't seem to be a guidebook for. Um, and so I sort of, you know, learned the hard way just by doing it and, and, and making mistakes and feeling and, and figuring it out step by step. Um, and so at a certain point, uh, I got really sort of interested in, in, you know, how am I supposed to behave as a woman in a you know, in a man's world, essentially, like what's the right way and what's the most impactful way that I could do that, you know, and, and be good at my job and, and make an impact. And so when I was, uh, tasked with leading quite a big project uh, that I write about in my book, uh, I had to choose what type of leader I wanted to be. And, and previously, some of the female leaders that I had, uh, you know, that I had as role models, you know, had a very masculine type of leadership style to me, this more kind of command and control leadership approach that didn't seem to really fit with who I was at my core, uh, which was much more of this collaborative, more inclusive style of leadership. And so at a certain point I had to decide, you know, which kind of leadership style I was going to adopt. And I, you know, decided to take a kind of a risk 
uh, and lead from a more authentic place. And it paid off, let's just say. <laughs> the results were very positive. And that learning experience really, you know, sort of kind of opened my eyes to the fact that we as women have choices on how we can show up uh, in, in life or in business, really. Uh, and, and, and how do we do that? How do we navigate uh, those, those challenges? Um, and I really wanted to share some of those learnings with, with other women who seem to also be struggling with these same questions. And so that really inspired me to write the book. Yeah. That's interesting that you talk about uh, looking within and um, being more of that that resonates with your core. And I'm just wondering if you call that um, intuition, is that the inner voice? Uh, well, intuition is our internal compass, right? So it's, it's the... Uh, it's that inner wisdom that we have, our inner knowing. So it's like our inner compass, um, which comes really handy when we're when we need to make a decision of some kind. For instance, uh, what I was referring to was really that authentic place, that authenticity. You know, not being afraid to take off the mask, essentially. You know, and especially in the corporate world, you know, you're you're sort of expected to wear masks. It's sort of like part of the game that you play when you enter in the corporate world is is you go in wearing a mask. Uh, and for women, usually they put on a more sort of masculine uh, mask of either being really cold and emotional and kind of being very, you know, being very uh, not aggressive, but, you know, harder. Is, is a way to describe that, uh, just to be able to kind of play in that boys club. Or they sway to the other side of the extreme, which is to be the nice girl, you know, just to kind of say yes to everything and, and work really hard and, and not really push back and not really be too vocal and, and just, you know, put your head down and work and hope that somebody kind of notices uh, you one day and, and gives you a promotion. But when I tried that approach, it didn't really work. And when I saw women trying the other approach of being kind of more masculine, I saw that that didn't work either. <laughs> so then it was sort of like, okay, what's the alternative here? Um, and the alternative I found was actually somewhere in the middle of that uh, polarity. Uh, so, and there is where actually I found a lot of my own authenticity you know, where, where I could be assertive, but not too aggressive, where I could be soft uh, and open and receptive, but also commanding when I needed to be. Uh, and so, you know, that dance is something that uh, a lot of times men don't really have to think about that because they're expected to, to behave a certain way. And it's, it's okay when they do that. But when we do it as women, um, it's not. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that, right? <laughs> Most men will approve that. <laughs> How long do you think it would take for all of us, in a way, understand this dynamic that we all have both uh, sides and we can use them? Well, I think for women, it's going to require them to be comfortable with their feminine side 
And for men, it's going to require them to be uh, also to, to be comfortable with their feminine side, which means we as women have to give them permission, right? Because a lot of times we say we want our men to be more emotionally available and more, you know, emotionally intelligent and, and to cry when they feel like it or express themselves, you know, when they feel like it and, and be more emotionally mature. But when then, when, when they do that, we, you know, we don't really like that. <laughs> we, we go, no, no, you're supposed to be strong. And, you know, not show weakness. <laughs> <laughs> to create that safety for, for men, I think is really important too. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so true, Monique. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you connect authenticity to vulnerability? Because you mentioned Brene Brown, and that's what her work is about. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So uh, vulnerability is the gateway to authenticity. So when we're able to be vulnerable with our with ourselves, we're able to connect with people on a very uh, authentic in a in an authentic way, right? So we, we sort of take off those masks, if you will, and we allow people to see our flaws or our imperfections or whatever it may be. Um, but when we wear that mask it's almost like we're trying to hide all of that. <laughs> and, and it actually creates a, a lack of connection. So when we're able to take off those masks and be vulnerable, because we're more real with people, it allows people to build trust. It's like, yeah, you know, I totally identify with that because I also have flaws and I also have imperfections and I've also been you know in that place before so it creates that instant connection and and that actually builds a lot of uh, a trust um in a relationship which is 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 a very important aspect right in any given relationship if you don't have trust you really don't have very much um and so especially in a business setting or you know in in, in your work uh building those relationships with people is really important. And, and we can do that, uh, but we have to be willing to be vulnerable at times. Yes, I agree. Do you think that vulnerability starts with self-trust? That's an interesting perspective. Uh, I would say, sure. I mean, you have, it's something, it's, it's actually about confidence in my opinion, you know? So I don't know if that's what you mean by self-trust, but, uh, when we're confident within ourselves and we let go of needing that approval from others, then it's like, I can just be who I am. Take it or leave it. I don't need your approval. I don't need permission from you. Um, and that's true freedom. You know, we're talking about freedom. It's when you just stop caring <laughs> what other people think and are just able to be yourself and own who you are. And there's a lot of freedom that comes from that, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of confidence, how do we know the difference between being confident and carrying self-importance or selfishness, arrogance, and all those um, qualities? So arrogance is when we fake confidence. 
and we see that on display every single day. So I think you know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention his name, but we have a role model of what arrogance actually looks like on a daily basis. And you can see right through it. You can see that really deep down inside that individual is just a scared person underneath trying to show that he is this confident leader, right? So that's just an example, and I'm not going to get political here, but it's very clear to anybody who looks at that, you know, persona. So when we try to fake that, that confidence, people see through that really, really quickly. Um, on the other hand, when we're just authentic and we are who we are, and, and it's not about having all the answers, right? It's about just being who you are and being okay with that. Uh, and, and people really resonate with, with it. Uh, I have found that there's not, you can't have too much confidence. <laughs> there's a downside to that. Um, but a lot of times women shy away from it because they're afraid that they will be seen as, full of themselves or too arrogant. Um, but I think they do a lot of disservice to themselves when, when they shy away from just owning who they are. Uh, because at the end of the day, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you don't have the confidence to assert yourself, be vocal, express yourself, then nobody will ever know. And, and that's, that's a real shame. So, so I think it's really important to uh, to build confidence, and and a lot of my work centers around that. Actually, I've, I've built a whole online course about it that I've recently launched, and um, would love to you know invite people to check that out if that's a, an area that they want to develop. Yes, absolutely. And at the end, I'll be asking you the final question about um, where can we find more information about you, and then yeah, please mention that. And uh, before we talk about the feminine leadership model that you have created, the FLM, talk to me a bit more about the masculine versus the feminine leadership styles. Uh, you call the the old and the new story. Yes. So, you know, traditionally, at least up to this point, um, we have seen leadership styles that are created by men for men reason for that being is that men were in charge. <laughs> so clearly they came up with a leadership model that was based on things that, that you would typically kind of equate with, with you know, the masculine. And so I, I, I describe the masculine style as being more command and control, more of this hierarchical top-down style of leadership that is much more directive. Um, and it's much more based on the me versus the we. Um, and the feminine is really about the we. It's about uh, the collective. It's, it's a much more collaborative style. It's much more um, uh, distributed, right? So uh, in that model, we're very interested in what other people have to say, and we want to make sure that their voices are heard. And we have to show up with, uh, the qualities that that allow that to happen, the vulnerability, the authenticity, the empathy, the compassion, all those those more feminine qualities. So that's how I kind of describe those two styles of leadership. And and I don't want people to think that 
you know, one is bad or the other one is better. Actually, we need both styles of leadership depending on what the situation requires of us. So again, the, the, this moment is, is a great example with COVID-19. You know, uh, we have an emergency. It's kind of a big one. <laughs> uh, and you know, in these moments, we want a leader to be firm and say, okay, here's the plan. <laughs> here's what we're doing, right? So that is a much more masculine style of leadership. Um, it is not a time where we can just kind of sit back and hope for the best. Um, that creates a level of, of chaos and anxiety that, you know, doesn't help the situation, for instance. Um, and so different situations, different contexts uh, require different leadership styles. And a good leader or an effective leader knows how to adapt depending on the situation and what it requires of them in that, in that moment. Wow. Yeah, you call it also transformational versus transactional leadership. Is that the, um, what do you call them, the masculine versus feminine? Oh, this is a different topic. Um, it's it's a way to describe the the two different styles. Uh, thank you for the reminder. Uh, and and yes, so transactional again is is it's much more uh, based on you know what's in it for me. Uh, what you know this sort of much more uh, sterile kind of relationship versus this transformational style of leadership, which is, it's not just about me, but it's about, you know, how do I help you become better, right? And how do we make the collective better? So whatever context that's in, whether it's an organization, our community, or the planet, now we're actually thinking beyond just ourselves. Um, and I really do think that if we want to create a sustainable world, that we have to move through, move towards a transformational style of leadership where, you know, in everything that we do, not only are we taking in account what's, what's in it for us, what's good for us, um, but what's good for, you know, our planet, really, you know, and, and really think through the long-term consequences of what we do today, because those actions that we make today, those choices that we make today will have a longer term impact. Um, but in the transactional model, we're not really yeah. thinking about that. We're just thinking about short term gains, short term profits, short term goals, this quarter, next quarter, one year from now. We're not thinking, okay, when we do this, how is it going to affect the planet in 50 to 100 years or even 10 years, right? We, we don't think about those things. But um, the yeah. planet doesn't even come into the equation, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Um, but if we want to create, yeah. you know, this, this more sustainable, equitable world um, and deal with some of the big challenges that are ahead of us, uh, I think we do need to shift into more of this transformational kind of thinking and leading. Yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. <laughs> yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the seven feminine strengths and the four masculine traits that you talk in your book. And they are the feminine strengths. That would be great if you could go through them, Monique. Uh, vision, vulnerability, care, intuition, empathy, collaboration, and humility. So 
just a brief background around how I came up with those seven. Uh, I didn't just make them up. <laughs> <laughs> I like the number though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's my lucky number actually. So, um, but the, the, this was actually, uh, there was a research study, quite a big one that was done a few years ago by a man named John Gertzema and his partner. Uh, they ended up writing a book about it called The Athena Doctrine, which I highly recommend, which um, basically asked 66,000 people around the world to take qualities of leadership, to categorize them between masculine and feminine, and then to rate them in the order of preference. And what they found was a majority, about two-thirds of respondents, uh, said that they preferred their leaders to have more feminine qualities in their leadership approach. Uh, and so that's where I actually started thinking about some of these feminine qualities. And when I juxtaposed it, is that the right word? No, when I overlaid it, excuse me, with my own experience around the qualities that I found were to be the most important qualities uh, in an effective leader through my personal experience, uh, working in the in the corporate world and also coaching others, other leaders, I came up with these seven, uh, which are vision, vulnerability, care, intuition, empathy, collaboration, and humility. Uh, and they're pretty self-explanatory, but I'll I'll just uh, touch on them briefly. Um, vision is about strategy. And it's about that longer term thinking, as I was just talking about, taking into account all stakeholders, whether it's the team, the organization, or the community. Uh, and it's about being able to communicate those ideas in an authentic way to influence those, those key decision makers. So you could have a great idea and not be able to really communicate that idea. And not get to your end goal because you weren't able to get people on board with you. Um, the way you communicate that vision is really important. So for instance, uh, Jacinda Ardern uh, in New Zealand, when, when they decided to lock down the country because of COVID-19, she you know, came to the, to the nation with a full on plan and, and in an empathic way said, listen, I know this is really you know, not ideal. This is gonna be really challenging for some of you, for most of us, but we have to stick together. And here's how we're gonna do it. So you know, she took a very nurturing tone, a very empathic tone, but then had that strong vision that she laid out. And that's a really important, I think, I think fun, fundamental quality to have if we want to get people to, to follow us towards a, a common goal. Uh, the next one around vulnerabilities is exactly what we were talking about. So really taking off that mask, uh, being who you truly are, letting go of that tough ex exterior, being open to accepting assistance, letting go of having to prove your value, uh, and really be able to delegate and 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 uh, get input from others, right? By by just taking that step back and asking people what they think, uh, which requires some vulnerability. A lot of times we feel like we have to walk into the room and have all the answers and have all the you know all of that 
laid out so people will know that we are worthy of leadership. Well, it doesn't actually work that way. The best leaders don't have all the answers and they, they ask for other people's input to come up with the best answer. And usually what I've found is that when we do that, the answer becomes even better than what we came up with by ourselves. Uh, so vulnerability is actually a huge strength uh, in leadership. Uh, care actually has two definitions. So it's about um, caring in the development of others through using a coach or a mentoring approach. Uh, so really taking the time to invest in their develop development, um, making sure you're listening to the needs of others. But it also is about self-care. You know, especially as women, we tend to be, uh, you know, we tend to sacrifice ourselves a lot of times. We get to, to prioritize our health and well-being. So learning how to create those healthy boundaries to avoid overwork and burnout is really key uh, in whatever you're doing in, in life or so care has that double meaning. Intuition is about owning our power, standing in our confidence, leveraging our intuitive and perceptive mind, uh, as well as our logical and analytical mind, right? To make those informed decisions, but really tapping in and trusting the messages that come true. And a lot of times, again, women tend to struggle with this. We hem and haw, we have a lot of self-doubt, we're not really sure, we don't know whether we should listen to our intuition, and there's this battle between our head and our heart and our gut and all those things. And, and, and I think when we tap into that intuition and build that confidence in ourselves, it becomes much easier to, uh, to make those decisions. Empathy is about tapping into our ability to you know, put ourselves in other people's shoes and really understand where they're coming from, understand and communicate from a place of, of empathy, which is a radically different way of communicating with one another than with these two. So when we do this, we're able to have much more open dialogue with people. We're able to understand different perspectives. Uh, and we're able to really um, uh, show people that we care uh, through through really, you know, leveraging our, our empathic uh, emotional intelligence. Collaboration is, is pretty self-explanatory. So making sure that we're inspiring collaborative work with others, we're making sure people feel included and heard in the process and acknowledge for their efforts. Uh, this is really, really important. Uh, making sure that people are given credit where credit is due, uh, which is tied into the next one, which is humility. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, either we're too humble or not humble enough. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah. Finding balance uh, is, is really important. Letting go of you know, needing to be right and, and, and really acknowledging other people's brilliance uh, goes a long way in motivating people to do their best work. So those are the seven feminine qualities. Wow, I love them all. I have a question about intuition. You mentioned when you talked about intuition, you said that women, we tend to 
have self-doubt and not trust our intuition. So I'm wondering what do you suggest we do? Wow, that's a whole other <laughs> section. <laughs> right. Another conversation. Right? <laughs> um, I, I'll just really quickly point people to either my book or my course, um, if it's okay, because there's so many exercises in there uh, that I've built that I have used personally on myself. But the, the biggest, the main one I'll just share really quickly with you is um, we all have these uh what I call inner bullies. Uh, it's this dialogue, internal dialogue that we have that is always whispering in our ear, like a really kind of broken record telling us we're not good enough and we're not smart enough or we're not educated enough and we need more of this or more of that to, to be great. Um, and, and really learning ways to beat that bully. Um, and, and one of the, the best ways to do that is to come in, in relationship with your inner cheerleader, uh, the part of ourselves that knows that we are enough, that knows that we are, uh, resourceful and creative and whole and, and taps into that inner knowing to combat those sort of, uh, bullying voices, if you will. Now it's much easier said than done and it takes a lot of work but when you do it and i you know can personally attest that that it's possible uh to beat your inner bully uh you know it, it it's a whole other world i mean you can't even compare uh when you're free of those pesky voices always holding you back uh it can really free you to be more of who you are and to live life from a place of true authenticity and wholeness, um, which is a wonderful feeling. So such an important, uh, ba like basic foundational quality to, to work on. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. So basically making that choice of, um, choosing to listen to the positive voice, the inner voice rather than the negative one. And it is a choice. That's so true, Monique. We have that choice. Uh, would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book before I ask you my final questions? Well, we didn't go through the four masculine qualities. So maybe I should go through those really quickly to um, just round out the FLM. Uh, so we did the seven feminine qualities. And then the four masculine uh, qualities are uh, being assertive, being daring, being resilient, and decisive. Now, we just talked about learning how to trust our intuition. Uh, so when we do that, we can be more decisive. So it's sort of like you first tap into your intuition, and then you can make decisions from that place. So that is just a natural progression. And, you know, as leaders, we do need to make Know, decisions many times uh, as leaders. So, so having that muscle, you know, building that muscle is, is really important. Uh, being daring to take risks. You know, a lot of times um, we hold ourselves back from taking risks because we're afraid to fail, because we don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't want to, you know, look like we don't know how to do something. Uh, but as Steve Jobs said, fail fast, fail often. Uh, it's what leads to innovation. It's what leads to great ideas. Uh, and this really requires a vulnerability, letting go of the need to be perfect, right? 
Uh, and, and so when we do that, we can actually take the risks necessary uh, to do great things. So that's a, another important one. Uh, being assertive is self-explanatory, uh, but here the key is how to be assertive without being too aggressive. Uh, and we can do that by learning how to center ourselves, ground ourselves, uh, which is one of the most important qualities that I talk about uh, in this model. Uh, and then being uh, resilient, learning how to bounce back from failure quickly, not letting things, you know, sort of take the wind out of our sails for too, too long. And I think, again, women struggle with this one a, a lot of times when we do fail or we do fall down, you know, sometimes we take it really personally <laughs> and kind of like, you know, ruminate about it and, and beat ourselves up about it. Uh, you know, it takes us a little while to get back up uh, or sometimes we just don't get back up at all. So learning how to just quickly bounce back and, and have that resilience to deal with challenges, I think, is, is also really key here. So those are sort of the four uh, masculine qualities that, that can help balance us to be impactful leaders. So I just wanted to add that piece. Yeah, thank you, Monique. And the FLM, would this work for men and women, both or more? for women than men? That's a great question. Um, I designed it for women in mind, but then as I worked with the model and, and looked with this, you know, looked at the model more closely, I realized that these are, you know, qualities that all human beings have and can develop. And in fact, you know, we need our leaders to show up with these qualities more and more in this fast-paced, you know, volatile, complex world that we live in, uh, we, we need leaders to have all of these qualities. So I actually invite men to uh, embrace this model, to look at some of the areas where they may want to, you know, lean into a little bit more, where they might see as their, uh, you know, growth edge, um, because I think men can, can use this model to be effective leaders as well. Wonderful to know. Um, would you like to add anything? I don't think so. I think we've covered so much today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It has been a great conversation. I have learned a lot just by reading your book. There's a lot, a lot to learn. That's funny. When we think we know, um, we have to always check that <laughs> again and again. There's so much to learn. Final questions. Uh, what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? I would say uh, this piece around leaning into my feminine side. And it's, it's ironic because here I am teaching people about it, but they, they say the things that you end up teaching are the things that you need to learn the most. Uh, and, and I wouldn't say that I am, you know, perfect at this, but it has been a lifelong journey of mine and it continues to be of, of how to soften how to be more open, how to be more receptive, how to learn how to be vulnerable, <laughs> you know, all of those more feminine qualities uh, sometimes can be challenging. So that, that's something that I feel like is a lifelong journey that I'll be on. Um, and, you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
that's also really beautiful to know. Yeah, that. And I think for all of us, that might be a practice for all of us, balancing these energies, all of these qualities. Um, so my next question is about death. <laughs> uh, if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? You know, I, I think I made a conscious choice at a young age that I was going to follow my passion and follow my joy and follow what feels like truth to me. Um, so if I, you know, if I end up dying tomorrow, like, I feel like I did what I came here to do and, and I don't have any regrets about it either, you know, and, and I feel like, um, I overcame a lot of personal challenges to put this work out in the world. And, and I'm really glad that I did, you know, because I think, yeah, if I, you know, found out I was dying, or died uh, without having done it, I, you know, I think I would feel like I, I didn't actually accomplish my, my mission <laughs> in a lifetime. And so, um, I don't know, I feel like a lot of us um, might think about that. You know, what is it that you want to do before you die? What is the impact you want to make? What is the difference you want to make in the world? Um, and, and really go, go pursue that with all of your energy, because at the end of the day, that's all what people will remember. You know, you're not going to really take very much with you. You're going right. to take, you know, you're going to leave behind your work, you know, the, the, the impact that you made. And it can be small things as well. It doesn't have to be a big thing. But people will remember you by your actions, you know, and, and what you did and how you behaved, and meaning how you showed up in the world um, versus, you know, all the money you made or the titles you held or the houses, you know, you had those kinds of material things. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> A thousand times again. <laughs> do you believe in life after death? I do. What kind of life, Monique? Oh, well, I think we've all lived multiple lifetimes, many, many lifetimes. Um, and I'm sure whatever is waiting on the other side is way better than what's here uh, for us. Um, but I think we are eternal beings. And I think we, you know, that, that, that soul, our soul lives on way past our death. Um, but I, I do think that we have the opportunity to come back and have other experiences in other lifetimes and, and, and learn the lessons that we're supposed to learn for our own soul, soul's uh, evolution. Yeah. So coming back to life, <laughs> what are three things about this life you know for sure? I think we've touched on them. You know, I think that I know for sure that we are infinitely more powerful than we even realize. I think we are creative, creator gods, all of us. We have the ability to create our own reality in whatever way we can think of it. Uh, and, and I think we are eternal beings that have, you know, these eternal souls that, that continue on way past 
our physical bodies and physical manifestations. And so those those three things I'm I'm pretty certain about <laughs> from my <laughs> own experiences and, and things that I've I've learned uh, and and felt in my own body. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I like yeah. that. It has been a great conversation. Thank you for your presence, wisdom, your authenticity and your peace, peaceful nature. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Valerian. Thank you, Monique. Where can we find more information about you, your work, books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah. Uh, well, people, I'll just invite everyone to go to my website, which is moniquetalon.com. I'm sure you'll have a link up somewhere. Um, and there you'll find a link to my book, which you can get on Amazon. And also my new online course called Beat the Bully and Build Self-Confidence. Uh, it's an online course that you can download and take at your own pace. Um, it includes all of the tools that I use. I have used both personally and also with my clients to help, pe help people build the self-confidence necessary to really go for the things they want in life, whether it's a new job or a new career or a relationship or promotion, whatever it is that you want to have. Um, without this self-confidence, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> much longer time to get. Uh, and so it's such an important quality to have. And I, I found that in my work that a lot of the women that came to me uh, in my in my private practice for coaching, uh, you know, all a lot of them had the same issues around a lack of self confidence. No matter how old they were, no matter how advanced they were in their careers, uh, I see many women struggling with this. And so I decided to put that into an online course, uh, which people can find on my website as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Monique, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks again, Valeria. This is lovely. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Monique Svaslian Talon, please visit her website, moniquetalon.com and moniquetalon.com slash product slash beat dash the dash bully dash course. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>